And as the sun set on the horizon, they lived happily ever after. Ever heard of it? Hello, and welcome to Happily Ever Heard of It. I'm your host, Jesse Jollis, and today I've got that song, All I Do Is Win, 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 No Matter What, and I thought, that's such a positive way to think about stuff, you know? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I don't know, throw my hands up and they stay there. I'm like, yeah, that that feels good to me. I practically, I when I hear that song, I want to really throw my hand. I don't remember if that was my college experience. I actually remember nothing. The only song I remember from college is Boots with the Fur. The whole club was looking at her. That's all. That's all I remember. And what a time. Well, last week was a hoot and a holler because, listen, you can't always show up 100%. And what a gorgeous lesson that is for you, for me for everybody. And I want to remind everyone and start the episode saying, I am not a therapist or anyone who has any sort of license to speak on anything. Okay. I'm a comedian first. And I went through what I would consider some like realization, mental healing, healing in general. And so what I am doing with this podcast is sharing a little bit about what I learned, what I am currently learning, and what I hope to learn. I know I said I'm going to have guests and that's going to happen. I'm just taking my sweet time. And that's how I like to do things. Thank you so much for asking and for wondering. Okay. So today we're talking about anxiety. Boop, bop, skiddly doop. What could be more fun than that? You know, when I think about myself as a kid, I was always anxious and I love that for me. I was just an anxious kid. I, I mean, I was obsessed with Annie, the movie, uh, the sun will come out. I'll tell you when tomorrow we're never in the present. We're thinking about tomorrow and maybe that is something to think about also, Annie, I mean, talk about a rags to riches story, but she starts off as an orphan. And I remember being like, what if I become an orphan? Like I had all this anxiety about living in an orphanage, although part of it looked cool. I'll say that, you know, Annie's orphanage, everyone's like around the same age. It's kind of like a fifth grade orphanage, which we love. And there's a lot of group morale. We do have a common enemy, Miss Hannigan, and we know that, but... There's a fun kind of we're breaking the rules, we're breaking out, we, you know, one for all, all for one type mentality. But I do remember thinking if I become an orphan and I don't find my daddy Warbucks, what exactly what's going to happen? Like what happened to Molly? You know what I mean? What happened to Pepper for the love of God? What happened to Pepper? And honestly, if you are someone who played Pepper in any of the movies, and I will take any of the movies, please reach out and let me know what you think happened to your character. Because I'm a Pepper stan. I really am. My sister played Pepper in the show that we did. 
underrated character and uh any of the molly i don't remember a lot of them but where are they now you know and i can't be the only one i can't be the only kid that was obsessed with annie it just can't be true and maybe i was i was a broadway baby we know that and by that i just mean i wanted to be on broadway as a baby but I also had anxiety, right? So (laughs) I wasn't on Broadway and I wasn't an orphan, but I did think about being an orphan a lot. And I also thought about being poor a lot. Like in Annie, you're just like, you're either poor or your daddy Warbucks rich. And in between, it looks hard. Like Rooster, that seemed like a hard life. Miss Hannigan, who, you know, she's the head of an orphanage. What's the pay on that? Because it doesn't look like it's going well. And then she does go up with a scam to get more money. So like, how does money work? I had fully no idea. But I do remember asking my father quite often, if we were going to be bankrupt, or like, how much money did we have? Or how much money till we were on the streets? Why do kids think that way? And isn't that interesting? I find it fascinating. So anyhow, I I talked about this a little bit in the first episode, but I did start pulling my hair out in fifth grade famously, and it's called trichotillomania, um, and biting my nails. And I just had a constant voice of sort of judgment and like almost narration in my life, which I thought was absolutely standard, but turns out is not. And when I went to sleepaway camp, I remember... Do you guys remember Pogs? Shout out to people who did have Pogs. I had never heard of Pogs until I went to sleepaway camp and everyone was like, let's show our Pogs. And I was like, what is a Pog? Why was I never told what Pogs were? What about uh, Cogsworth, you know, Pogsworth? Is it a clock thing? I don't know. So they're these like little figurines okay so Jessie being the genius that she is I was like oh I'll just steal this girl's say they're my pogs and hope she drops it so after I stole my camper neighbor's pogs she was like those are my pogs and I said you're out of your mind these are my pogs I love pogs I've known about pogs my whole life and this is my collection she was like no that's my collection my name is on every pog and I said that's because and I forget the lie I told about that until eventually I said fine you can just have my pogs I really don't care but I did care and I cared so much that I did wake up in the middle of the night and sleepwalk over to her bed and I guess I was looking at her bed and then did start peeing and that's when my camp counselor woke me up and said Jesse what are you doing and I said I simply don't know And she said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And in the morning, she said a raccoon broke in. But I was that raccoon. And this has a little bit to do with the fact that, like, I never sort of stood up for myself or spoke my mind or told the truth. I just sort of was narrating my own life, hoping I wasn't going to get caught, right? So the voice in my head was like, Jesse, you're the only one here without pogs. No one's going to be your friend. You better steal pogs. And I was like, you're right. What, What other options are there? Um, and it wasn't a great voice and this continued like I think about it a lot like walking down the street or walking into a party like it felt like there was just always a critic next to me talking to me and screaming at me about like the way I was interacting with others or just the way that I was being perceived and 
honestly, when I found it the most um, sort of obvious and insane, I guess, is when I would get intimate with somebody. So first of all, I had a lot, a lot of anxiety about my body. So when I would, you know, flirt with someone and then maybe we were going to hook up and the idea of like them seeing my body, I was in such a state of absolute panic. I actually wrote a sketch about this like years and years and years ago and I I filmed it and everything and then I didn't want to release it and I just... You know when something isn't funny because you're like, am I, like, is this wild? And I remember when I pitched the idea of people being like, that's so funny and so couldn't be true. And I'm like, but that is my truth. So let me tell you about the sketch, okay? It was called Sex Announcers because when I got intimate and or was hooking up with someone or having sex, I would, and I kid you not, and maybe some people can relate to this, maybe some people can't, but I would legitimately like float above my body and watch from above. So I wasn't physically in my body, like having feeling or having any physical whatever. I was truly, it felt like I was above my body watching and panicking and criticizing. So I would be like, Oh my God, we're kissing. Okay, we're kissing. We're kissing. This is good. Where are his hands going? Like what? Okay, like maybe the shirt's coming up. I don't know. Like, oh God, I'm sitting in a weird way. He's going to feel my my stomach. Okay, he felt my stomach. Is he repulsed? No, I guess not. Okay, he's going to the boobs. We have boob contact. Like I was truly like announcing in my head what was going on to kind of, I guess, help myself get through it because I was so stressed out about anybody seeing my body. That was truly like my biggest fear. And I also remember at one point thinking like it was my, um, which is, but but I, there was a point that I thought it was my biggest like secret or, um, It was like, I thought it was really the worst thing about me was my body. So when I was giving that to somebody or they were seeing it for the first time, I normally was in such a state of panic and stress that I, I couldn't, I I never even had sex like for myself. I would do it as like an act for somebody else or because, you know. Because I didn't know how to be in my body. So sex was a time that I truly was like, we all float above our body and watch. And people were like, what do you mean? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? Do you not? And it was one time I was hooking up with a guy and we were dating. And so we started, we were hooking up and he was looking at me in the eyes. And he said, like, where are you? And at the time, I remember being, like, shocked that he could even see that I sort of wasn't fully there. And also, like, it freaked me out that that because when he said that, too, it was like I came right back and was like, oh, my God, I'm (laughs) what do you mean? Like, I can't be present for this (laughs) or like I 
I just remember being shocked from it. And I was shocked that he noticed. There was just so much going on in my head about that. And then I remember being like, where am I? Like, why was I not there? In a way, I was the original Fleabag. Um, and if anyone's seen Fleabag, you should. It's a great show. Um, but in it, she like does a lot of asides to the camera where she breaks the fourth wall, but she also kind of breaks her own reality. And it isn't until she meets the priest that he's like, where are you going? Who are you talking to? What are you doing? He like very much notices when she's there and when she's not there. And there's like a cool parallel to that. And that was the first time I felt like somebody saw me talk to the camera, if you will, and was like, who are you talking to? And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like stay in your lane. I always do this. And it was just super, super frightening to me. And I, I still didn't know like how to fix it or what to do. And I, I know, I knew that I would, when I had a lot of anxiety, I would pick my fingers a lot. And I didn't know why I did that. I just thought it was anxiety and I, I had sort of pent up, um, you know, the nervousness or fidgetiness. I was like, I'm a fidgety person. And last no two years ago I worked with an energy healer and we were talking about my my body and where things were in my body and I told her because one reason I went was like I pick my fingers a lot and I'm fidgety a lot and I don't know why and she told me and I thought this was really interesting she was like that's your body telling you to come back like that's your body picking or like causing pain to try to get you back into your body. And I was like, that's insane and maybe true. Um, so that, that was just something that I kind of remember being like, okay, like how do I stay present in my body? What do I do to stay present? There were, there are a few things that I would do to be present. So I fell in love with improv like back in the day. And one reason I did is because improv is all about listening and being in the moment. And if you're planning or if you're thinking about laundry, you're going to look like a fool on stage because your partner's going to be like, where are you? Like what's going on? So it was the first, it was, I just remember being forced to be present and it felt so therapeutic for me. I didn't realize why. And one reason is it was forcing me to be present and to be in my body and not anxious and in the future or depressed and kind of like in the past, but I was like fully present. And when I was talking to, you know, the energy woman who was, you know, that was great. I was still trying to figure out how to stay in my body. Like, how do I stay in my body when I go go out of my body? It was just something I did a lot. P.S. Has anyone seen? Okay, this is like a real throwback. And this is me getting way off. But I was watching an episode, an episode, an episode of So Weird the other day. And So Weird, I'm talking like 1990s, maybe early 2000s. Disney Channel original show three seasons two seasons with the original girl she's replaced by a blonde we do one season with her the guy in Brink is in it okay now this is just for my Disney darlings everyone else is like who the hell is she talking about but it was a show called so weird and there's an episode where a girl does I don't even know what it is but 
she can leave her body and like go other places. And I was like, oh my God, that's like, I mean, her body's asleep though when she does it, but I was like, that's wild. Cause I feel like the idea of there being two of you is kind of what it feels like to me now with anxiety. Like I can't be present cause there's a, a version of me that's running around doing a million things, preparing for the Titanic to sink, you know? So how do we get in our bodies, right? How do we get in our bodies? How do I get in my body? These are some things that I do when I notice I'm not in my body or I'm having trouble connecting to myself is how it feels to me. Again, she's not a therapist. She's just talking about things she's noticed about herself and things that help me feel grounded and like I'm present. So one thing I love to do is I love to take a bath. She loves a bath. I like to get in the bath pretty much as soon as there's like, we've got the temperature right and there's, you know, an inch of water. I like to sit in it and watch it fill up and like be a part of it as it fills up. It kind of makes me like pay attention to how it feels and my body and water I think is really like, I don't know. I love water. Um, and it, it also makes me kind of like check in with my body. I'm sitting in a bath. I do think, you know, I'm naked. So it's like making me check in in a way that's to me, it's always been kind of helpful because I think like I had a mirror in my room growing up and I remember looking at that mirror a lot, but sometimes, you know, when I was naked and I would look at it and I would just criticize and um, point out every little thing I didn't like. So when I'm in the bath, which it's obviously not really the most flattering position, but like, that's my body. And, you know, I'm grateful that we're in a bath. I'm grateful with how strong it is. I'm grateful with how like beautiful and normal and curvy and, you know, strong and powerful I am and I sort of just take that time in the bath to like appreciate and kind of like touch my body even and just like you know check in with my calves I'm like how are you guys doing like what's going on down there are we walking too much are we walking too little like how are you ankles what up like I'll kind of just take a little attendance if you will with my body and I find that really like a nice way for me to, I think, be present. So, so that's something I do. Um, and then now I try to look at when I'm biting my nails, fidgeting with my fingers, like, okay, what's, where am I? And like, what's causing me to be anxious? Um, something else that I started doing that I think helps me and I'll explain how, is meditation and I could do more of it we all could and some people are like oh no not someone again who's gonna say to meditate I also remember anyone who ever met me within 20 minutes was like do you meditate and I'd say no and they're like you really should and I'd be like oh yeah I'm sure I should here's the thing Diane 
I'm an like I'm a chatty Kathy. I don't like to sit still. I like to move, move, move. I like to do, do, do. And like sitting still and kind of doing nothing isn't really my vibe, if that makes sense. And like when I would meditate and like, I don't even remember when I did it, but with someone we would just sit there in silence and I'd be like, this is hell. This is what hell is. I'm not even that good at the beach when people are like, let's lay out. I'm like, and do what? Like I'd rather walk or move. But I was like, okay, meditation. Everybody talks about it. Everybody swears by it. I might as well try it. So what I started doing was guided meditations. And those helped me a lot because someone's normally talking you through it, talking you like, uh, you know, to certain points to think about certain things to move around. And I remember I did this one meditation where the guy was like, I want you to picture a red dot. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Picture a red dot. Okay. And then he say, uh, he said, like, if you start to think about other things, just uh, 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 like bat them away uh, uh, and go back to the dot. And I was like, OK, I'll do that. And then I remember thinking like, huh, when I would meditate before and I would think about a red dot. And then the next thing I knew, I would start thinking about laundry. I would be like, oh, God. Just see, you're so bad at this. You can't focus on the dot. You're just thinking about laundry or thinking about something else. Stop thinking about that stuff. Like all the things you have to do, because if you don't like if you think about it now, then now we're two minutes into the meditation and see you're not relaxed. Now you're just more stressed. Why can't I be good at this? Why can't I be good at meditation? Why is meditation so hard for me and easy for other people? okay, the red dot, the red dot, this is so stupid. It's stupid because I'm bad at it. Like I would just have this dialogue instead of being like, uh-uh, just think about the red dot. Like meditation started to just help me think about the fact that, oh, I can just be kind to myself or I can just redirect myself gently and not beat myself up or spend time telling myself how it's wrong or all that. Just uh-uh come back, you know, come back to the red dot. And I think I also try to do that with being present, right? So I'll be somewhere and I'll be present with something or someone and then I'll notice like something will cause me to to be anxious or to think about something or what does this mean or that mean? And then I'll just catch myself and go, uh-uh, we're not going to worry about that right now. Go back to the person in front of you or back to the thing you're doing and just focus on that right now, okay? And it's that kind of mindset with anxiety for me that really helps me. It's not, don't be anxious, see you're anxious, ugh, and like this beat up, angry, criticizing mentality. It's a, uh-uh, not right now, or uh-uh, go back to the present. And that really helps me. Um, and I hope it helps you. I hope that you can pay attention to when you're being present. Even that, just noticing when you are or when you're not. Like, I didn't realize how much of my life I spent floating above myself, watching myself enter rooms, watching myself have social interactions, watching myself like do or say anything and just criticize and look at other people and not be like behind my eyes, if you will. 
And so now when I'm walking around and I notice it happen or I just try to get grounded back inside of me and, you know, just see things from my own present position. And when I do start overthinking or going somewhere else, just reminding myself as gently as possible, uh, 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 go back. And that's what I do. So that's my kind of explanation theory on anxiety, or at least for me being present. Um, I will talk a little more about um, sex if people are interested or sort of staying in your body there. For me, it was very, very difficult to be present during sex or even to have um like to be physically fulfilled during sex because I was so worried about other people, other things, and just I couldn't do it. So that was a journey I went on. If people are interested, let me know. Um, But there are a ton of things that I will continue to talk about and work through. And, you know, I'm continuing to try to do that even now. So I hope this was helpful. I hope that if you are one of those people that maybe has floated above you don't feel as alone and I hope it helps you maybe have a tool or two to connect etc again I'm not a professional I am just that that's my experience so I hope it can help you but if it doesn't or it's causing more issues please seek a professional who knows what they're doing um but what a fun time. I'm I'm so glad to be back, if you will. You guys, it's fall. Like fall? Are you kidding me? I'm so excited for fall. I'm excited for sweater weather. I'm excited for scarves. I'm excited for hats. I'm excited for becoming a witch, obviously, in October. So we've got fun, fun, fun ahead. I promise I'm going to have guests and stuff soon. Don't think I won't. I just like to really think about things for a while. And that's who I am. She takes her time, folks. She takes her time. But as always, I love you. And remember, if you're the villain in your own story, you also get to be the hero. So put on your cape, bitch, and fly. Fly.